0: You are listening to the Real Faith Stories podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Well, Vivian, it is truly an honor to have you on Real Faith Stories. Thanks for being here today.
1: And it's my pleasure, Brian. Thank you for inviting me.
0: You have an amazing story about healing. Yes. Well, please share a bit about your backstory, and let's talk about what God did in your life with respect to healing.
1: Okay. It it all started when I was 16 years old and being a young girl, and of course, growing and having puberty, I was thinking, okay, what I saw was from Mm -hmm. that experience and that development and that growth. And what I discovered was it was not that normal stage of puberty that was going on. And so I was having a a daily experience of when I would go to the restroom, instead of seeing water being released from my body, blood was being released. Wow! And so initially, Brian, I thought, okay, I'm going through the cycle of life at that particular age. And and so I didn't think about it, but it continued to happen. And so I got nervous, I got afraid, and I told my mom, something is wrong. And I didn't know how to tell her because I didn't know what was going on. And so I said, mom, every time I go to the restroom, I'm releasing blood. And then she said, well, maybe it's what young teenagers go through. And I said, okay, mom, this is different because every time I go, blood is being released. And so my mom said, show me. And so the next time I went to the restroom, I showed her. She was like, we got to get you to the emergency room immediately. And so she rushed me to the emergency room. And when I got there, they said, we don't think it's puberty. And so I was hospitalized for 11 days, and every day they were examining me. And one of the things I would say to them, Brian, was it's not my cycle. Mm -hmm. It's not my monthly cycle. And they was thinking, well, maybe it is, and maybe something's off. And and so they would examine me every day, and they kept noticing, no, it's not her monthly cycle. And so they just began to think outside the box and call in specialists and say, we've got a real issue here because it's not her monthly cycle. And so from there, as they were doing the different types of testing, they said, well, we're just going to put her on a liquid diet. And it was intravenously. And as they discovered, they were using water and sugar intravenously. They discovered that the more water in my system the less blood they saw. Hmm. And so they were amazed and they were thinking, we don't understand. We don't know why this is happening. And there was a gentleman that they consulted with. It was a a specialist. I believe he was out of the the city of New York. And as they consulted with him, he asked the question, does she have sickle cell or sickle cell trait? And so I was one of my father's children that had sickle cell trait. Hmm. However, normally with sickle cell trait, there are no symptoms. That's very unusual. And so they gave him that information. And as they continue to watch me and continue to allow me to have only water intravenously, he said there's a possibility she has a condition where there's one out of a million people that actually have the traits of sickle cell anemia and they only have the trait mm-hmm. they don't have the disease and so i was that one out of a million that would have the same symptoms as, as a sickle cell anemic person and so in the process the only um help that they had for me was there was no type of medicine or they didn't have any evidence of a cure. They said, so this young lady is going to always have to drink water. So that means 247, 365 days a year, she's going to have to drink water. So the, this is the prescription they gave my mom. Now here I am, 16 year olds. They don't drink water. Right. They love soda. (laughs) They love everything but water. And so my mom goes, Oh my goodness. It was best that you guys give us some meds rather than water because she's not a big water drinker. Mm -hmm. So they said, Viv, the only way we can manage what's going on in your body, you have to drink water. So from there, the instructions were she has to have a cup at all times. She has to consistently have water in her system. She has to be hydrated. And so my mom, she did it where she had a gallon of water specifically for me and I had a cup all day. There has to be water in this cup and you have to be found drinking it, this. And so throughout that process, that was a humongous challenge because I felt like this strange person that always needed a cup, always had to have water. They had to communicate that information to my school. I was in high school at the time. And so we went forth and I had to be tested every week by my physician to see because yes, the blood cleared up, but it was still the possibility of blood cells being in my urine. And so I would have to go and get tested weekly. And they could tell the intake of water by if, okay, we don't see blood, but there could be blood cells. And then they further discovered that my kidneys were not alkaline and my kidneys were getting the wrong signal. So when it was time to use the restroom, my, my kidneys would release blood instead of water. And so the only uh, maintenance for that was to continuously drink water to outthink the kidney. Mm-hmm. So I lived with that for seven years. And the blessing in it is that when I was told about this condition, I said, okay, God's going to heal me. And the doctors looked at me as if they had seen a ghost and they said, okay. <laughs>
0: they yeah, said, whatever you say, right?
1: Whatever you say, you're 16 years old. And I said, God's going to heal me.
0: You clearly had a faith at 16 years old, that was beyond most 16-year-olds' faith level. I'm curious, when did you come to faith in Christ?
1: I actually, Brian, my mom was one. It was nine of us. And every Sunday, faithfully, she took us to church. And she would line us up like little ducks. Our church was in walking distance, and we would faithfully go to church every Sunday. We would prepare on Saturdays, and we knew you're going to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it was a real family activity, and I would go to church. But what was interesting, I went for the social part of church. I went to be with my friends. I went to just enjoy the music. And so this was our, our way, it was our family way. And I recall at five years old, my Sunday school teacher gave me a Bible. And I was so excited because I thought I have my own Bible. So what I would do, Brian, I would take my Bible, put it under my pillow, and sleep on it every night. That's how precious I thought it was. Wow. And it and my faith was because of my mother. Mm-hmm. Because faith was real to her. I wasn't as serious or knowledgeable as my mom, but she understood we understood we needed God. And she understood the only way we're gonna live a happy, blessed, peaceful life, you have to have God. And so it was my being there. It wasn't so much of me taking it serious, but it was my being there. But what really captured my attention was my mother mm-hmm. how she loved god and i remember one time cuz it was nine of us and i remember being young and i remember laying my head on my mom's lap and uh, the ministry was singing, Oh, the blood of Jesus. And my mother was so always excited about blood songs, about Jesus shedding his blood for us. And so this particular time I had my head on her lap and she's singing a song and tears are just rolling down her face. And I can remember at a very early age, my mom's tears from the joy of what Christ did for her and was doing in our family, fell on my face while I was lying in her lap. And I understand tears to be a prayer language today. I know that as an adult. So it wasn't so much my mom's words as it was her heart. Mm -hmm. And she loved God and God reminded me of that. He said, Viv, do you remember when your mom's tears rolled down her face and would drop on you? On you, on your face, while you're lying in her lap. And I didn't remember that, Brian, until God brought it to my remembrance. So it was my mom's faith. I inherited it, her faith.
0: Based on that, you had this transference, if you will, of belief that, hey, I'm going to get healed at 16, right?
1: Yes, that was commonplace. Because there were many times, because our family was so large, you didn't go to the doctor. My mother... Right.
0: Oh yeah,
1: and we saw results. <laughs> so I'm thinking God is the physician; He's the physician, and He made the physicians. So that was my understanding very early. God is a healer, and as as I communicated with those doctors weekly for seven years, I had to go to the doctor and get my urine tested for blood cells.
0: So seven years, you were praying and believing for God to bring total restoration to you and healing?
1: That was my confession. Every time I went to the doctor, it was more my confession. When I would go to the doctors, and they'd look at me like, okay, Viv, you're doing good. We don't see any blood cells this week. And I would look at them even with that report. God is going to heal me because I I believe God made water. He made Vivian. He can heal me. I don't have to have water to manage this. That was my rationale. He's a healer, my resolve.
0: So doing the math real quick here, you were 23 when you got healed. Is that correct?
1: Yes, it all started at 16. And so it was exactly seven years later. I I joined the military right after my 19th birthday, which would have been my 20th year. So after I turned 19, I joined the military. Well, it was at the age of 23 when I received my miraculous healing. So here it is. I have this this way about me where I'm always drinking water, and I understand that's what I have to do. Yet my confession was God is going to heal me, so it didn't bother me mm-hmm. that it had been that long. Healer. Mm-hmm.
0: And when you joined the military, did they know that you had this issue?
1: I had it under control. No, they did not. Interesting. So, I got in under the radar. Yeah,
0: it sounds like it.
1: Yeah, because I had gotten so good at managing it, they did not know it. And so, I get into the military, and at the age of 23, I'm in my third year of being in the military, and all of a sudden, now, I wasn't your avid church corps. I wasn't your Bible-quoting, slinging sister. My faith was my life. It wasn't. The Bible. It wasn't, I didn't know the word. So I couldn't tell you where in the scripture it talked about Jesus being a healer. So I was ignorant to the word of God, but my faith wasn't. <laughs> Is that crazy? That's amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't know the word. I mm-hmm. was always around the word. I heard the word every Sunday, but I didn't own a Bible except for my kindergarten Bible that my Sunday school teacher gave me. So I didn't have a Bible. I'll never forget, I had a yearning, something on the inside of me, Ed 23 said, you need to find a church. And guess what? It, the prerequisites for finding that church was they have to believe in God for real. So this is what I heard in my heart. It can't be just any church. It's got to be a church that believe in God. Now, again, I don't know why I felt that way but I did. And so I would ask other fellow military people, hey, you guys know i a good church now. I'm in Virginia Beach, Virginia at NAS Oceana. And people are recommending churches, and I would always say, do they believe in God? And they would look at me and say, Viv, <laughs> every church believes in God. And I said, I don't know. I said, but whatever church I find, they have to believe in God. So that was, my request. So one woman, she was a secretary on our base in our command. And I asked her, and she said, yeah, Viv, I know a church. I said, do they believe in God? She said, oh, yes, they believe in God. She says, Viv, there's so many exciting things going on at this church. I said, okay, it doesn't matter. They need to believe in God. I get to the church. My hand touches the door of the sanctuary. And as I open the door to go into the sanctuary, the pastor says, this is interesting. God is changing my message. There is a woman here with a bleeding condition. God is healing you now. Brian, I slung that door open. <laughs> I ran to the pulpit with this pastor words with my hands up. It's me. Wow! I'm screaming. It's me. It's me. And he looks at me because these people have never seen me before. So my hands are lifted in the air. I'm screaming at this man. <laughs> <laughs> this, it's me. It's me. The power of God slams me to the floor. This has never happened before in my life. I'm slammed to the floor. I start rolling and the people had to raise their feet up because I began to roll under their pews and roll back. <laughs> of course, it was ridiculous. And everybody's just looking like, what in the world is going on here? And then when I get off the floor and I jump up and down. I said, it's me. It's me. And so they didn't understand, Brian. I had been waiting seven years.
0: How incredible. So what did the pastor do after things calmed down a little bit?
1: He just looked at me, and he was in as much shock as I was. So he looks at me, and he says, who are you? And I said, I'm Vivian. I'm Vivian." So that was the service. It was over. It was like
0: <laughs> He didn't even get to preach about it.
1: No, he didn't get to do anything but what God told him. He said, God is changing my message. There is a woman here with a bleeding condition. And I bust through the doors. And so from there, Brian, I'm just crying and I'm just crying. And everybody in the church goes up and worship and they go up and praise and and they go up and worship and they go up and praise. I didn't understand any of it i just knew i was healed
0: you had no reference for this did you
1: no zero and so from there brian when they when i calmed down and everything calmed down in the service they just said we give god glory it wasn't there was nothing else after that so god totally introduced himself to me through healing
0: and you obviously got a confirmation of that later With the doctors.
1: Absolutely.
0: What was their response?
1: They were in shock. And it was like, okay, you know how that goes. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, God healed you. You grew out of it. You know, they always have another reason why. However, I, I knew it. I knew it was God. And so from there, that is where I was identified in the gifts and the callings that I experience today. And what that did, it completely opened my heart to God because He was doing a work on me before the foundation of the world. We understand that because I now know the Word of God, but it was totally His plan his leading, his guiding. When we think about Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it talks about all things work together for our good, we never like to admit sickness, testing, trying, tribulation, persecution works for our good. I'm a witness that he did something in my faith with that condition that I had.
0: So I'm curious, Vivian, after this experience, did you have this transition where you fell in love with the Word of God? What types of things occurred in your relationship with the Lord after that?
1: Oh, my goodness. First of all, that was the most beautiful congregation. It was small and so loaded with the love of God. And so they took me under their wing because they understood she knows nothing. She just knows Jesus healed her. And so from there, they took their time with me. They taught me the word. I could ask all the crazy, stupid, wrong questions. You know, it was just, I was just a fish out of water. And these people, there was a mother's board there. You talk about intercessors, where there would be times we would have a prayer meeting. And I just knew, okay, whatever these beautiful people want to teach me, I'm open. I was just wide open. And so one time we were in prayer and those mothers would pray, oh my goodness. And they would pray so, Brian, until their knees would be rusty right? They would need to oil their knees. And, and I would look and I'd say, Lord, I'm just going to bring jars of Vaseline to just bless these mothers because their <laughs> knees are always rusty. Mm-hmm. But that was a, a way of just glorifying God because that meant they were women of prayer. And so I decided I'm going to hang with these mothers. And so, Brian, they would go into prayer. It was this real old time, get on your knees and pray. And I would get on my knees sometimes and I would fall asleep. They would be in prayer so long. And when they would say, in Jesus' name, amen, I would wake up and say, in Jesus' name, amen. And you would see this long stream of saliva where I was just having a good nap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had the guilt all over me (laughs) laughing at me. I was just, their joy, because they understood, bless the Lord. She's trying, but I would go to sleep.
0: Welcome back, Vivian. hope you had a good nap.
1: Yeah, hey, you know, I know you had a good nap. It was just the beauty of those souls in that church. And I saw one miracle after another in that ministry. And I remember a time we was, we was having a prayer time where everybody in the congregation had gotten together. It was a time in one of the services and the mothers would pray in tongues. And I would just look at them and be amazed and say, God, oh, they're really anointed and I can't wait And it seemed like God understood or heard that in my heart. And so as we're holding hands and we're in a circle, the pastor walks over to me and he lays hands on me. And he says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And oh, my goodness, I just began to speak in my prayer language. And I was like, (laughs) and I just cried because it was one thing after another that God was doing in my life beyond my understanding and beyond what I felt I deserved.
0: The key words are beyond your understanding. Yes. That's the whole faith scenario is beyond our understanding. Yet, you pressed into it. You wanted it.
1: I wanted it because He showed me that He was my Father. He showed me that all I needed to know was He's a healer. And see, some of us think we need to know more than what we know. God is, to me, His intro to my life was, hang on to that fifth. If that's all you have, you know me to be a healer. You don't let that go. Some of us know him to be father. Some of us know him to be comforter. He's God. He's so sovereign. He's so multifaceted. He's so everything we need. And I'm telling you, I know him to be everything I need. And I kept it at, at that level. It wasn't. I wasn't a Bible scholar. I was silly with it. And playful and whimsical. And I would talk to God like he was my father. I didn't know how to pray like I saw others pray. I just understood he loves me and I love him. And that's enough.
0: I want to shift gears just a little bit with this gift you have to speak into people's lives prophetically with uh, words of knowledge and so on. Share an example or two in your life where the Lord gave you some insight like that, and it completely disarmed somebody. There's no way anyone would have known but the Lord himself.
1: I remember one time, Brian, and I was at one of Perry. Marshall's round table, and that's his guest mm-hmm. when Perry has his round tables. And I'll never forget it. was the most unusual thing. This gentleman was, I believe, from Europe, and Perry would have people from all over the world. And I I looked at this gentleman and I heard a train. Woo woo! And I saw a, a, a traditional antique train making a now I'm sitting there and I'm ministering to business people at the round table. And I hear the train and I hear the whistle and the old steam train. And I look at this gentleman and God says, tell him what you see, Vivian, because I would pick people at random. Mm-hmm. And I looked at this gentleman. I say, I hear a train. And I said, I see fire because God would give me just one thing. You know, he'd give me this, he give me that. And I have sense enough to say, What he shows me. And this gentleman began to weep. And he said, I was burned in a fire on a train. And he said, they had to suspend me from midair as a child for me to heal. Wow. And he said, Viv. Nobody knows that about me. (laughs) Nobody. And I was so outdone. God may give me a sound. He may give me a picture. He may give me a name. And so, Brian, I have sense enough to only give what I've been given by God because he knows the significance of the thing to the person.
0: Well, that's a huge point is not go beyond what the Holy Spirit has shown you
1: don't do it. It's not a show. It's not a performance. It's service unto God and unto people, the people that he loves.
0: What do you tell people that you've coached in this gifting that hesitate? They're like, oh, is that really you, God?
1: The proof is in the pudding, Brian. It's always in the pudding. And I can remember being very young in Christ after I'd given my life to him and he would speak to me and he would show me things. And I would say, Lord, please, this is not the place. This is not the time for me to share this and God. And I would ask the Father, give me a door, show me, open up something so I can share with this person. And it never failed. So it was never in my own strength. And that's the ease of it. It's not me. And I understand that. And so when I hear the voice of the Lord, when He began to show me pictures, and then He pointed out who it's for, I just say, Lord, open a door. I became very natural with that, where it was no longer fear. It was about me and the relationship I have with my Father. And I would say, Father, open a door.
0: So, had you tried to do it on your own? In other words, you get a picture, and then instead of asking the Lord to open a door, you would kind of interrupt somebody? Had you tried it that way, and it just didn't work well?
1: Many times, Brian, and after falling flat on my face, and I understood, you know, and I said, Lord, that was embarrassing, or blah, 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 and he said, Viv, you have to wait on me. Mm. And my conversation with God was, what you told me to do it, to say it, he said, Viv, And you ask me, how do I share that? How do I say that to that person? Mm -hmm. Or ask me to help you, Vivian. So what I love about God is just like us with our children. Okay, they're walking. And we kind of watch them to see what they're going to do. And sometimes they turn their head and peek and say, okay, you're back there. I'm safe. And God was really teaching me as a father. And I was just as naive and clumsy, just like anybody learning anything for the first time. And it was all development and growth and trust in him.
0: How does somebody recognize that they have that ability, Vivian? What would you say to somebody like that?
1: Just to give you an idea, I was a sleepwalker and not by choice, And so early in my young life, in my elementary years, I would get up and I would go to my mom or my dad and ask for something. You know, we were all in bed and I would get up in the middle of the night and and then they understood. I would ask for maybe a glass of milk or something and they would pour the milk and then I would go back to sleep and they was like... Was she awake or (laughs) did she really want the milk? So there were unusual experiences and things about me. I was a heavy dreamer where I would dream and talk in my sleep and wake up and ask my mom and dad questions. And they would look at me like, well, when did that happen? I'd say, I don't know. But when I was sleeping. So I I kept having these encounters that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. My family didn't understand. However, once I gave my life to Christ, there were men and women of God who would point out things about me. They would say things. He would say, Viv, God has called you to do this and do that. And I, again, naive, unsuspecting. Okay. And I, I would just agree. I would agree. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to understand it. However, I knew the God that told you, he'll show me. Yeah. The God that healed me, He'll show me. My my confidence in God was that simple. I didn't overcomplicate it.
0: It was just like a child, right?
1: A baby. I was his daughter.
0: You know, it seems like we try as believers to bring our own stuff, I put that in air quotes, into the way that God might want us to speak to people. I want to circle back on the point you made and that is only give what you feel like you should and don't add window dressing to it, right?
1: No. Never, because I'm afraid to do that because I understand how important it is when I I say it's God or when I'm representing Him, not Vivian. And no, I'm not perfect by any measure. What I'm saying is this beautiful gift, this beautiful call on my life, this beautiful relationship was God's idea. It wasn't my idea. And I understand that over time.
0: When people want to move into that space, with a gift and a calling they feel they have and they miss it, how do you deal with missing it? What do you tell yourself?
1: I've had people to stand and stare at me and look at me like, lady, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'll smile and I'll just share. That's what the Lord has given me. I I wouldn't try to justify what's been said. I don't have to rescue God. That's something he's taught me. Vivian. You don't have to rescue me. When you know it's me, you give it. And, and that's it. And so over time, he's um, made me strong enough where I don't look for a response. I, I don't expect one. I'm the mail lady. I deliver the mail. I don't, the mail lady doesn't stand there and say, Viv, what's in that letter? <laughs> she doesn't do it.
0: <laughs> I love that analogy. Vivian, the mail lady.
1: She delivers the mail and she goes on to the next house. And so I deliver the mail. And what you do with the mail is between you and the mail. That's your relationship. And God has taught me that.
0: What's one of the greatest pieces of advice you've received over the years from a spiritual perspective?
1: The greatest advice I've received is that God loves me more than I'll ever understand. And if He loves me and I'm not special, then He loves everybody more than they will ever understand, Brian.
0: That's probably most everybody's biggest fear is that God doesn't love them.
1: It is. It really is. And it's strange because, of course, learning who God is and and learning to allow God to be himself in our lives, he has been a father like none other. And I had an amazing dad. Mm. He superseded him because everything I saw him to be in his word, he is, not he shall be.
0: That's so good. As we finish up here, Vivian, is there any piece of advice you'd like to leave with the listeners before we pray?
1: Keep loving God. Don't stop loving Him as is, as you are. Don't try to be what you think God needs you to be. Love Him. And in your love for Him, you will be everything that He designed you to be. If you're a grandparent or a parent or a sibling, you know what it's like when you make one of your family members proud, and you know they said, I know you could do it. That's our Father. He's always cheering us on, always.
0: That's so precious. I'd love for you to finish up here by praying for our listeners, please.
1: Yes, I thank you, Father, for every ear, for every heart that is hearing this broadcast, Father. I thank you for the work you're doing. And Brian, I thank you for the work you're doing in every single listener, Father. I was as naive as they come, Father, and you met me where my need was. And so I thank you, Father, that you're going to meet every listener where their personal need is. And I pray that they get to know you like none other, Father. As much as you desire for them to know how much you know and love them, I pray that they get to know you and love you just as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Vivian, thank you. So great to hear your story. I thank you so much for sharing it.
1: And you're very welcome, Brian. I thank you for having me. What a joy. Hey,
0: everyone. Thanks for listening.